Hey there, cats and kittens. Welcome back to MMA Stuff here at HalfGuarded.com. My name's Mike Coughlin, and we're talking everything MMA for the next half an hour or so. Cut it down to half an hour. I'm going to do this in half an hour. Shut up. Yes, I can. The biggest news of the week, George St. Peter retired. Sort of. We'll get to it. Joe Rogan says he's only going to be doing a certain amount of work that he was already doing. Pitbull is back. Jack Swagger found his. And review and preview of everything UFC. Welcome to MMA and Stuff. That would have been a good cold open. And then I could like, cut the music. But it, actually, I do have the technology. I just don't want to do that much work. Now instead, I'm just, uh, I don't know, let's get to it. This past weekend, Sunday, actually, the very first show in the history of the UFC on ESPN. Technically, it's like the fourth show. But this is UFC and ESPN 1. Took place, and in the main event, Francis Ngannou defeated Kyan Velasquez in 26 seconds of the first round. Yep, Velasquez's streak of being the sacrificial lamb on the first big show with a new network partner has continued. Some uh, like a super short fight, they came in there, Velasquez threw like a couple of high kicks and didn't do anything, and then like the first exchange, the first time these two met, Velasquez went down, and it was over. It's kind of curious right now as to exactly what may have happened with his, uh, in, in the fight, it, only in that they initially said on the broadcast, and a lot of people have speculated since, that Velasquez blew out his, I think his right knee, people were saying, in a very, in a, actually a freakishly similar manner to the way that Zion Williamson looks like he almost destroyed his knee. Uh, but I don't think that's actually what happened. I really, I've looked at the, the fight a couple of times now. I sat there, I've investigated it, slowed it down, slow motion, got to multiple Zabruder film angles. And it does appear to me actually that uh, Olden Gatton landed a short uppercut. And I think that may be what, if, what dropped Velasquez. Now, I suspect that there's a chance that Velasquez's knee did in fact buckle, maybe it got hurt or tweaked in the same way that Crocott may have hurt himself when Gonzaga high kicked him way, 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 way back. Boy, I can't believe that makes me feel like an old-school fan. Anyways, that happens. Either way, uh, Ngano got the big win. Velasquez did not. What can you say about a fight that went 26 seconds and featured maybe one punch landing? I mean, there was a couple of follow-up ground-and-pound shots afterwards that definitely finished Velasquez. And I don't want to get misleading anybody here. Kane, I'm diligently saying Kane. I don't want to say Kane, but it is Kane. Uh, Kane did verbally scream and reach towards his right knee, it looked like, when he went down. He looked like he grimaced in pain, and then he got hit with, like, two back fists and was out cold dead. So, again, he may have gotten dropped from the punch. I, I think maybe he got hit by the punch, flash knocked out, on the way down, blows out his knee, comes to, he's in pain. Either way, I don't know, part of fighting is the ability to stand in front of your opponent. Like, freak accidents happen. They happen 30 seconds to a fight and really care. It's fine. I'm not going to really judge Velasquez that much. But on a macro sense, and taking the 35,000-foot view of this, it's cage fighting. And if you can't cage, if you can't do it, you can't do it. You're not, you can't call yourself the best cage fighter in the world if you can't stand up long enough. It's just part of the deal. It, it's not even like a major requirement. Now they get to pass an SAT or anything. It's just, can you walk? Okay, like, if you can't walk, unless you're Kyle Maynard, you don't get to fight MMA. It's just the rule. Uh, two guys that could walk, Paul Felder and James Vick, went to decision with Felder coming out on top. Decent, decent enough fight. Odd that that was the uh, semi-main event. Oh, well. Uh, we actually did have a couple of uh, fights. Shit happened, and guys were getting... Some people missed weight, and blah, blah, blah. It doesn't really matter. Nobody important did. Uh, Cynthia Calvillo defeated Courtney Casey, unanimous decision. Not bad. Uh, that's all I can really say about it, just not bad. Um, you're not going to care. Andre Feely defeated Miles Jury, decision no one cares. Cron Gracie defeated Alex Caceres, Bruce Leroy in the first round, took him down, got the got the back, and got a rear naked choke in two minutes. It was, I guess, the 5,000 UFC fight. I don't. Recall them hyping that up so much as they just kind of were playing up the this is a new era, 
This is our new star. Like they really hyped Kron up in, in an appropriate way. Like if you watched this show and didn't know anything really, you would come come away going, holy cow. Like the grandson of the guy that created the ultimate fighting championship. Not true at all, but whatever. The guy, the, the grandson of the guy that created Jiu-Jitsu debuted in the UFC against this guy you kind of know and he tapped him up in two minutes. It's exactly what Hoist did. You know, it's a, an old school Gracie fight. He did what he's supposed to do. Uh, just kind of as soon as he got a hold of Bruce Leroy, he just got behind him and then just dragged him down. And once he got him down, it, it, Kron's is a world champion in Jiu-Jitsu for a reason. You know, they were saying, "Oh, this Damian Maya and all this stuff." And it is. That's exactly what happened. I don't know if it's going to continue. Uh, you know, I you know, it's fucking one fight in two minutes. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna declare Kron Gracie the next great featherweight after two minutes of fighting against a guy who's you know solid. But it's also now Kron is showing. Okay, you can beat the Bruce Leroy. Bruce Leroy is a good fighter by fighter standards, and he's averaged by UFC fighter standards. So now we got to see if Kron can do more. I hope he does. Uh, I have no reason not to hope that. You know, didn't fuck my mom. So yeah. Uh, oh, and then. The other fight on the main card, Vincente Luque defeated Brian Barbarino with six seconds left in the third round. And the first fight of the year that I think everybody's going to go, ooh, because this, this was a great fight. Absolutely got to go out of your way to see it, watch it, record it, watch it again. Barbarina is tough as shit. The first round was all action, back and forth. Both of them just taking punches galore, getting dropped. Could Either guy could have been finished at one point. Barbarina just... He had this giant mohawk and this big beard. And every time he got hit by a punch, whether it was because of the hair and everything or just his style, it looked like his head was just getting snapped back like a pest dispenser in a hurricane. It was crazy the way that he was reacting to it. And yet, he doesn't go down. And he's, in fact, countering. Vincente Luque, a big, strong muscle dude, just kind of was getting tired. But they both just kept going. Barbarino would hit him with these shots. He dropped Luque. Then they came back, and then in the third round, it looked like they were both just dead on their feet out. They just start throwing down, and I'm watching this going, what the fuck is going on? There's like a minute left. I'm like, holy cow, and they start doing like the deal where like both guys kind of on the unspoken bond tell one another, we're just going to stand and trade and give the fans a show. But turns out this time, Luke hit Barbarina and dropped and finished him. So if that's a lesson to all you would-be fighters out there. If you throw punches at someone and start throwing punches back at you, you might get hit and hurt. Great fight. Couldn't have been happier with the way it went. And then fantastic finish, six seconds left. It didn't. It wasn't an early stoppage. It wasn't a late stoppage. It was great. Great fight. Aljamain Sterling defeated Jimmy Rivera. Eh. Just kind of sprawled. He actually had a decent approach to it. He would just kind of move forward and kick. And anytime, but he was also prepared to sprawl at all times. And Jimmy Rivera just couldn't handle the distance. Manny Bermudez defeated Benito Lopez by, with a guillotine in the first round. No one cares. Uh, Andrea KGB Leaf, show, friend of the show, because she did a podcast with us once, defeated Ashley Evan Smith. I like KGB Leaf, but that podcast was difficult. I think I should have done more preparation. Nick Lentz defeated Scott Holtzman. Yeah, he did. Emily Whitmere defeated Alexandra Elbu. And in the second round, via knockout, Luke Sanders in a catchweight, that's right, defeated Hennen Barrow. If you're wondering who missed weight in that catchweight fight, I'm going to give you a guess. It wasn't Sanders. That's right. He's back to missing weight at 135. Poor Hannah Brown. Hannah Brown looked good in the first round. That was actually a really good fight, too. And then he just got knocked the fuck out. Hey, dog, you looking at me? Yeah, cool, 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 cool. So, uh, and the fight of the night bonuses were $50,000, as is normal. So, yeah, that was uh, UFC, a uh, big one. What can you say is a solid show. I enjoyed it. Weird being on a Sunday night. But, hey, that's that's MMA these days. It's weird, really, the UFC on ESPN relationship. There's been a big thing, I would say, already for the UFC, because they are everywhere on this thing. You realize real quick, wow, they do have a lot of shows. And we know this because all of them are happening now. And all of them are, are on ESPN. Hi, dog. Yeah, I wonder if you can get up there. Because uh, there's a doggy that wants to get up on a, on my bed. Because somebody's doing this. 
next to his bed. Come here, puppy face. Come here, shit. Come here. Oh. oh, there you go. I know what you want, dog. I know you better than you know you. So yeah, uh, we also had this weekend two, count them, two shows from Bellator. Yeah. I don't know why we needed two of them, but we did. So we had, uh, Mitrione versus Sergey Haritanov in Uncasville, Connecticut. In the main event of that show. Uh, Matt Mitrione kicked Sergey Haritanov in the balls in the first 10 seconds of the fight. Sergey Haritanov went down and could not continue. Fight was over. Yep, just one swift kick to the cock, and that was all she wrote for old Sergey. I'll teach you a medal on our elections, motherfucker. Logan Storley uh, defeated I Am Pascu by uh, just dominating wrestling and over decision. The only reason to bring this is mentioned at all is because Logan Storley is from South Dakota, and I had a number of family members asking me about it. And I'm sitting there going, yeah, I don't know. It's fucking Bellator. Like, what do you want from me? Nobody gives a shit about some guy fighting in Bellator. It just doesn't matter. And a bunch of other fights happened also. Then the next day, also in Uncle Uncasville, same arena, no less. Would have been weird than the same town at two different arenas, back to back. We had a show where, in the main event, Michael Page, Michael Venom Page, MVP, defeated Paul Daly by unanimous decision for five rounds, 48-47 across the board. He, round, he won rounds one, four, and five, lost rounds two and three. This fight was awful. It was... Tr- it was tremendous in the sense that Paul Daly, okay, the fight was, it was horrible. MVP in no way, shape, or form showed that he is ready to fight at the high level in MMA at all. If this dude was in the UFC, I don't think he'd make it off an ESPN plus card with these type of skills. Paul Daly was taking him down with not much trouble at times and keeping him down and grounding and pounding him. It was hilarious to see Mr. Nobody Will Stand With Me go into wrestling, you know, bitch. And it was hilarious to see MVP getting taken down by Paul Daly, of all people. I mean, I guess they're both British still. And then after the fight, MVP was like, Paul Daly should retire, and this and that. He's got nothing left to do. And I'm like, yeah, I actually agree that he should retire because he looks like he's not good at fighting anymore. I don't know why you're bragging about this. That doesn't say much for how good you are. So this fight was awful. But I went out of my way to watch it. It was on DAZN. And so I was like, oh, okay. So they did a good – I would say they did a good job of hyping it. Because I was like, hey, I kind of want to see this fight. And after it was over, I was like, I got bamboozled. MVP, not that good. Also not that good, uh, Roy Nelson lost by decision. That's right, decision to Mirko Krokop. This fight was horrible. Krokop's back on the gas, just cheating steroid user. Allegedly, but come on. And uh, I don't know if steroids, whatever. He just kind of outboxed Nelson. Nelson tried to take him down a lot, but didn't. Uh, did get him down in the third round. And I thought one of the third were really clear. And I guess one of the judges had 30-27. So people were very skeptical of the judging on this show. The crowd was booing it a lot. Again, I wasn't, I wasn't really happy paying attention to some of it, so I don't really know if it was that bad. I do know that 30-27 on this fight seemed kind of stupid. Uh, Czech Congo defeated Vitaly Minikov. That's right, Vitaly Minikov, the last man to ever be the Bellator heavyweight champion before Ryan Bader won it like last week, returned to lose by decision. Crowd booed this vociferously. The announcers were flabbergasted, confused, hornswoggled, even not hornswoggled. Uh, I don't, again, I wasn't paying that close attention to it. The fight sucked. And frankly, no one should complain. You fight a fight this shitty, fuck off. Uh, Eric Silva lost against Yaroslav Amasov by decision. And Valerie Lareda defeated Colby Fletcher by knockout in the first. I saw a picture of Valerie Lareda where she looked pretty. I presume that's why I'm supposed to care. Anyways, yeah, that was that. Um, Paul da- uh, Paulie Daly loses here, as you see, and there, therefore Michael Venom Page moves into the next round of the Bellator something weight tournament. What is it? What is it? Uh, welterweight tournament. Which will not continue next weekend. A couple days here, two days. Uh, Bellator comes back to us with Gallagher. Gallagher versus... It looks like Gallagher. I think it says Gallagher. Because in the United Kingdom, they have extra 
constants for no fucking reason because they're stupid people. They're a stupid, bigoted people who have divided themselves into the most narrow, asinine categories. Northern Irish, Irish, Irish traveler, that's three types of Irish for those of you keeping track. Scottish, Cornish, Welsh, um, Geordie, there's something else. Not to mention British or English, whatever. But people are stupid. I'm an American, damn it. That's all I am. Because I'm proud to be an American. Now watching this shit from Dublin with James Gallagher versus Stephen Graham and Peter somebody Quayley versus Miles Price. None of these people are known and nobody cares. Let's move on with life. Now there's a, a month break for Bellator with a show that only has one fight scheduled in Thack- Thackerville. Ooh, Manny Sanchez. Yeah. So yeah, uh, that was Bellator. That was UFC. We have recapped all the fights that happened this past weekend. And we're halfway done with the show. I'm making great time, everybody. We're going to do this. There's fights this weekend. Jan Blakovich headlines against <coughs> Tiago Santos, who uh, could be any one of approximately 12 Tiago Santoses that exist in the UFC at this current moment. This show comes to us from Prague, which is in Eastern Europe and therefore part of the part of Europe that America likes right now. Personally, I don't really like Eastern Europeans. Oh, wait, I am Czech. I think I'm, I'm from Bohemia is what they once said. My father would tell us we're Bohemian, not Czech. I don't know. It all sounds like a bunch of dumb shit to me, too. Oh, Czechs and Slavs. and You're all saying ugly, slope-headed, slope-foreheaded loser, ugly people. I have no idea what a sloped forehead actually means. Like, I kind of picture like a conehead thing, but I don't know. Point is, you're all ugly. And I could say that because I'm one of you. Therefore, I am immune or something. I don't I don't know the rules. Uh, I mean, there's going to be a lot of guys on this show with names you can't say. It's fine. You know, it's on ESPN+. Plus. It's just a shit show. Preliminary card on ESPN2. Because that makes sense. Uh, yeah, look, they do shows all over the world. I think the key to the UFC is not to think of it as a pro wrestling company, but to think of it as a sport. If you think of it as a pro wrestling company, because that's how your brain views the world. Yes, UFC is like spreading themselves too thin, blah, blah, blah. But if you view it as a sport, I watch soccer all weekend. And I'm watching games from England and Spain and Italy and not really that much in the United States. But sometimes Argentina or Brazil and they just happen, and there's tons of demand for those games locally. And there's something to be said for satisfying the local market. Just because something doesn't play everywhere doesn't mean that it shouldn't play somewhere. I'm very enlightened. Anyways, in our main event, a light heavyweight bout versus of Tiago Santos, coming off a uh, performance of the night. I don't know if it was performance of the night. It was performance of the night. Knocked out Jimmy Mano in the second round. It's not a three-fight win streak now. Uh, Back at UFC 231, round of the year. That was a that was right. That was a good fight. Um, so yeah, you know, guy can stand and bang. He's also lost to David Branch once. Beat Anthony Smith, however, so he's right up there for a title shot, I guess. And Jan Blakovich, who hasn't lost in a long since he, to Daniel Cummins in 2017. Uh, I mean. Got four, he's on a four fight win streak. Nikita Krylov, Jimmy Manoa, Jerry Cannonier, Devin Clark. Blakovich, I would say, is the better of the two of these guys. Just, you know, he's fought, he's fought much better competition. He's beaten better competition. He can't hit hard. He's at home, if you will. I mean, they're having him fight in the main event because I'm sure the UFC's geography is similar to mine and that you're like Poland and Czechoslovakia. Sure. I mean, I'm sure they're the exact same people. How far apart could they possibly be from one another? Like one country, maybe two. But that's like saying that somebody from Southern California and somebody from Northern Minnesota have the same taste and interest. That's not true. That's not a good analogy, but it's close enough. Minnesota and Texas, maybe. So what I'm saying is that the UFC xenophobia is truly inexcusable in booking this fight who pees a local crowd who just aren't going to be there. Well, they're not going to see anybody fight for them. 
somebody that represents them. That's not true. I'm sure, I'm sure one of these guys represents them somehow, but not Stefan Struve in the heavyweight fight. Oh, by the way, a preview prediction. Um, I'm going to go with Santos by knockout because he's got power, and I'm I'm just going to assume the best will happen in life from now on. Stefan Struve takes on Ho- Marcus Rogerio de Lima, who's a big boy. Uh, Stefan Struve, I think he just lost to the other big, tall Russian dude in his last fight. Um, de Lima is... I guess he's a... Kind of like one of those mid-sized guys. Where he's kind of like a heavyweight, kind of a heavyweight. Never really sure. Winslow, he's, he's okay. Stephen Struve should should probably beat him if it, I mean, if it stays, I guess if it stays standing. Um, Struve's got that weird chin. Sometimes it's actually better than it looks, but he's just so big. And so I think that it's difficult to, uh, God, he's lost three in a row now. God, that Volkov loss was almost two years, a year and a half ago. This dude lost to fucking Andre Lowski by decision. And Marcin type Europe. Under, on, by the way, on, uh, if anybody's ever curious, under Stefan Struve's Wikipedia page, under personal life, where they usually list them, uh, individuals, you know, maybe his religious upbringing, who he's married to, so, you know, interesting facts about somebody on a personal level where you big, ah, oh, okay, like Julia Roberts was once married to Lyle Lovitz. Whatever. Uh, for Stefan Struve, it just says his father, Jop, died from cancer. So in case you were wondering, um... I'm going to go with Jose de Lima because he's on the right side of the bracket here, if you will, on Wikipedia. And that's easier to keep track of. Uh, Jean Vellante, also a light heavyweight, takes on... <sighs> okay. Mikhail Oleksijizuk. I remember I saw somebody once, and there was some foreign-looking funny name. Not an english basement. And... Uh, Somebody's like, ah, you should take the time to learn how to say it. But it's like, that's kind of not fair. And I say this as a guy who's historically been obsessed with saying people's names properly as they say them. But it's like, yeah, I guess in, in time I would learn. He's spelling Michael, M-I-C-H-A-L, but the L has a slash through it. That's not a letter. That's not a letter. I don't know how to pronounce things that aren't letters. They might know, they might know what it sounds like, but I don't. And I can only read my language. I can't read all the languages. So I think it's Michael Olexi, Olexi, JCZ UK. That JCZ is not a J, J, C, Z. I can barely say those letters in a row out loud individually, let alone figure out what sound that's supposed to be. Anyway, Jean Vellante should win. Lucy Pudilova, I can get that one somehow, takes on Liz Carmouche. Who would have... Oh, come on, man. Like, when Liz Carmouche fought Ronda Rousey in that main event, the first time we've ever fought in the UFC, who would have thought Liz Carmouche would last longer in the company? Um, I don't care. Uh, I'm going to pick Liz because I actually like Liz. Served our country well. At bantamweight, John Dodson, a little ball of energy, good fighter, you know. <laughs> takes takes on a guy who comes to us from Oblast, Russia. So he's way more of a man than I am. Who's got three fights in the UFC, three wins, eleven and one overall. His only loss was outside the UFC to Magomed Magomedov. Anyways, his name is Peter Y A N. Peter Yan. Peter Yan. The boy, the fighter who refused to, to grow old, takes on John Dodson, the man that looks like a child. Anyways, that's all I really got there. Uh, Dodson runs around and smiles like a little kid, and Peter Yan is Peter Yan. Mago Med, light heavyweight. A lot of light heavyweight fights in this card. I guess they must have got like, some bulk deal on plane tickets for oversized men. A light heavyweight, Clidson Abreu. Think about how good it is I can say Abreu without any problem. A-B-R-E-A-U. E-A-E-U. Oh, no way. Abreu. Like, that's good. I felt baseball. I can get stuff in my hemisphere. I think South America is my hemisphere. I think hemispheres is that one, not the other one. Uh, takes on Magomed Ankalev. Magomed Ankalev. 
Do I know Magomed Ankaleev? He's got two fights in the UFC. He's one and one. I don't fucking have a clue. The preliminary card, Daniel Tamer fights Chris Fishgold. Fishgold. It's like a really healthy Jew. Because Fish is healthy and Jewish surnames typically had go Whatever. Uh, Veronica Macedo takes in Jillian Robertson. Demir Hadzovic, Polo Reyes. Michael, Michelle Prezeris versus Ishmael Nor, Nordiev. Rustam Kabilov takes on Carlos Diego Fajaya. And lightweight. And uh, Demir as Joel Alvarez takes on Damir Ismagulov. Rustam Kabilov and Diego Fajaya. That's not a bad little fight to be second from the bottom on ESPN2. Yeah, the preliminary card, ESPN2. Main card, ESPN+, Plus, because they are pushing that thing. And they're going to push it right to the edge, aren't they? Six minutes to go to get through in half an hour. And we don't have to stick at half an hour. It takes as much time as what? Yeah, uh, so that's preview. We've done our previews. We've done our reviews. My friends, let's move on to the biggest news of the week. George St. Pierre has officially retired as a professional. He says he's going to continue to train and be a martial artist. He just won't be a professional anymore. He made it very clear that he would still keep training because he likes martial arts. Dude, that's a weird way to view things. It's kind of accurate, but still, like, you don't need to tell. Like, we all know, like, when an athlete says, I've retired from playing professional sports, nobody thinks that means they've also agreed to never exercise again. Not like when Mark McGuire said, I'm hanging it up. Somebody looked at him and goes, all right. Sit on the couch. I don't know why it went with Mark McGuire of all people, but whatever. Big Mac was a, was a fucking hero, man. Broke broke the record. And he was white when he did it. He's a he's the greatest home run hitter in white history. These days we have to look at things in white and black. I don't know why somebody keeps telling me to. I don't want to. GSP says he's retired. He was pushing for some sort of fight with Nermega Medoff, but they couldn't get to come together. And he says that's why he's retiring or something. Some crap like that. Look, it's GSP. He's retired before. I don't... Nobody... This doesn't feel like a retirement retirement. It may be. It may be done. He probably thinks he's done. And then three months, he's going to be like, hey, what if he had you uh, fight Connor for a billion dollars? I think he even said something. I got the link right here. You could just look at it, dummy. I could. Fuck you. So, yeah. Um, oh, I guess I don't have the freaking thing. Whatever. I'm sure MMA fight has got it right on the main page. George St. Pierre announced retirement. One of the all-time greats is officially retired, says Alexander K. Lee. I bet I'm better than him at everything in life. Uh, this is some of the quotes from St. Pierre. It said in his statement, which I could have cut and pasted, but I don't care. It takes a lot of discipline. Maybe I should put something up for this late. It takes a lot of... I can't even have the discipline to read a sentence. It takes a lot of discipline to become and stay champion. It also takes a lot of discipline to stop while still feeling that you're in the best physical and mental shape of your life. But I've always planned to leave the sport when I'm at the top and in good health, St. Peter said in the statement. I want to thank my family, my fans, my coaches, trainers and training partners, my sponsors, and my agents for their... I think trying to indefatigable support during all these years. That's how you spell that. Indefectable? Oh. I will forever be grateful for the work of Lorenzo LaFranchertita, as well as Dana White and all the UFC employees for giving me an opportunity to showcase my skills for the world from UFC 46 to UFC 217. Whoa, somebody's got a problem with the Hollywood Jews. <laughs> I just want to thank each of my opponents for sucking. All of them are incredible athletes, not as good as me, who brought out the best of me. Thank you guys for making me me. I retire from competition with great pride at having had a positive impact on my sport. I intend to keep training and practicing martial arts for so long as I live. I look forward to watching the new generation of champions carry our sport into the future. Very classy thing. <clears throat> I guess St. Pierre, uh, oh, I guess he's re- says he's completely recovered from his ulcerative colitis. Hey, if he retired, that means I've got to see his last fight ever. Winning the title, MSG, Michael Bisping. It's the perfect way to go out. It's the greatest way you could ever go out. You went up and wait. You did all this stuff. It was a great fight. I mean, you're a hero. It's weird we live in a 24-7 era now where because there's so much news, no news means anything. But it's an incredible end for a career. If I was him, I'd get out now. Maybe there's just somebody told him, like, hey, uh, they're testing your stuff from a long time ago, and you'd be surprised. I mean, you got like seven-year half-life on some of these steroids. Ask Jones. You're like, really? Shit. Uh, at, at Thursday's press conference. 
St. Pierre wanted to make it clear that this would be the end for his fighting career. Uh, when I was young, the reason I started doing martial arts is because I watched Royce Gracie growing up when he won the first UFC. At that particular moment, I knew exactly what this one I wanted to do. It's weird. It's like I had a vision. Did you or did you not? So I want to say thank you to Hoist Gracie for inspiring me. If you've ever watched George St. Pierre fight, clearly, clearly Hoist Gracie was an inspiration. And thank you to kickboxer Jean-Yves Terrio for inspiring me, not only as an athlete, as a good role model. That's kind of cool. And thank you to Wayne Gretzky. I'm not making this one up at all. And thank you to Wayne Gretzky. He's probably the best athlete all sports combined. His records will probably never be broken. Not only is he an incredible athlete, for me, he's an incredible role model. And throughout my career, I always tried to mold myself like Wayne Gretzky. Canada is the most Canadian place ever. You thanked Wayne Gretzky. You thanked a hockey player. And he's not the greatest athlete of all sports combined. It's messy. I think Messi's better than... Oh, the Gretzky was pretty great. I mean, really, he really did dominate. But, but it's still Wayne Gretzky. I don't know, he's white. Like, look, nobody believes a white guy's the greatest athlete ever at anything. Just, I even like, but not even like neo-Nazis say stuff like that. You will never see David Duke talking about how white men are physically superior and better athletes. Uh, oh, the moment I'm most proud of in my career is when I got dropped in the fight game. When I got dropped with a head kick by Carlos Condit and I fall down and I was able to stand up. It sounds weird. People think it would be about a victory or a knockout for me. It's when I got dropped by a head kick and I survived. That's the most proud thing in my career because it showed that I have the guts to come back from an obstacle and I was able to overcome it. Kind of a cool thing to say. Um, that's, I would have, I mean, I get, and I get where he's coming from. I thought that he showed that spirit way, way, way back when, when he beat BJ Penn the first time. Because he always kept kind of like an eye poke and he's just kind of beaten up. And that's like the first time in his career he was like, uh-oh. And the first time I ever really saw him come back from any kind of adversity prior to that, you know, the, the Matt Hughes fight, I think was it. I think that was, whatever. Um, yeah. Dana White praised him, blah, blah, blah. Say, There's no tears, St. Pierre said. I'm very happy to do it. It takes a lot of discipline to retire on top. It was a long process in my mind, but it's time to do it. Only a few people have done it, and I always said that I want to retire on my own and not be told to retire. So it takes discipline and combat and full contact sports. That's how you should retire. You should retire on top. He's got a very, I mean... He's right, and I'm, I hope he'd retire until all fighters stop. I think that's sports should die. The little weirdest longtime fan of a sport that this thing objectively is this is a good for people. But yeah, um, good for him. He's got that fixation on discipline. It sounds like something you tell yourself. Like, this is a good thing. You have to be really disciplined to do this. You have to really have faith in God to do this. You have to really believe in the environment or something. I don't know, whatever it is. I don't believe in things, so I don't really know how normal people do stuff. But uh, I presume there's some sort of need to justify your existence. I know mine is pointless, so I don't really, I don't really bother. But some of you might think there's still a reason to go on living, and I don't want to take that away from you. But this is not going to be a reason to keep living. Um, because one championship, a new era, now has four f four flyweight tournament bouts, four title fights, and Eddie Alvarez's debut. Yes, if you want a reason to go on living, it's that Demetrius Johnson's going to be in another tournament. Yeah. Because when the UFC told the world, we're going to get rid of this division because nobody watches it, one FC said, yeah, how about if we give people even more of it? Um, so anyways, they have brackets in this eight-man tournament. We will have Yuya Wakamatsu takes on Demetrius Johnson. Tatsumitsu Wada 
takes on Ivan Nildo Delfano, Karit Ametov, Reese McLaren. I've never heard of any of these, although, let's face it, we're grabbing flyweights now in the UFC. But they got dudes from Japan and America and Brazil. Looks like Singapore or something like that. Um, that's Australia, I want to say. Kai Hart Akhmetov got some sort of blue flag with a yellow sun. I have no idea what country you're from. Uh, Shinya Aoki will take on Edward Fowlong. Edward Fowlong's like, huh. Angela Lee, the champion, takes on Jinna Zhong. You know, there's certain times when like, I see these names and I have to say them like, no. You have to be like, oh. oh. You know, so nobody really cares if you're racist towards Asian people. Like, if I did anything approximating like, oh, of like the, of a black culture, I don't know what it'd be like, but yo, dog. People be like, oh, yeah, that could be kind of racist or whatever. But when I'm just like, oh, we're all like, yeah, it's martial arts. I think it's because we all know that deep down the Asians are going to win. Like, there's a lot of black people in the world, in all of Africa. But they're not going to win. Whatever the big war that's coming is, they're not going to win. Because they're just, they don't have any food. And there's a lot of Hispanics and stuff down South America. They're not going to win. They're kind of small. White, white guys. We're not a bad mix. White people are a good middle ground. Uh, we're not as smart as the Asians. We're smarter than the insert group. We're not as big as the, and strong as the black guys, but we're bigger than the Asians. But the Asians, there's so many of them, and they're so smart, and they just seem to really got their shit together. They don't take offense and stuff like that. I, wear, I welcome our new Asian overlords, including... Ong La and Song versus Ken Hasegawa for their middleweight championship. Kevin Bellington versus Bibiana Fernandez for their bantamweight championship. My gosh, four, t- four title fights, four tournament fights, and Eddie Alvarez versus Timothy Timofi. Nazi Yukin. Nazi Yukin. That's actually, you know what? I'm going to take back my previous snark. That does give you a reason to live. Not a bad job, 1FC. You've created a card where, while there's very few people on the card that are, I would say, names that anyone cares about or anything like that, in aggregate, they work. Like, they work as, as names in that you have, you know, Eddie Alvarez and Dimitri Johnson, like, all these title fights. Like, on some level, you're being told every fight on this show is important. Either it's a big name or something. So, I like that. Somebody doesn't like things. It's just Poirier. Says he wants to be released from the UFC. He tweeted, these guys should just release me. Not really. MMA junkie bastards. Not really like asking, I'm sure. Oh, and text message. He confirmed his desire to be released. And requested, and a request for a bump in pay to fight Ally Quinta. Although he made no official offer. Although he added no official offer had been made by the promotion. So basically, he just wants money. Alright. I don't blame him. Hey, there's more business out there. And I think it's actually a good, it's a good fight to illustrate a principle that people forget about how capitalism, how a rising tide lifts all ships. Bellator and 1FC cannot offer the money that the UFC can offer. AEW probably can't offer the money that WWE offers. But you're seeing that they can offer enough money and they can offer other things that the UFC Kind of in a way can't. Same with WWE and AEW. AEW could probably offer you to tell the guys, hey, you're going to have a little less, you're going to have less money, but you're also going to have less travel. You're going to have a little more solid home life. You're going to have a little more freedom to do other things. There's a trade off there. But the only reason that a guy like Poirier can now say things like, I'd like to be released from the UFC, is because there's more to be made. And the reason that there's more to be made elsewhere is because the UFC is popular. That's why Bellator exists. That's why 1FC has, is signing my guys in the United States now. Because the UFC is popular and big. And everybody else is going, hey, we want to make money too. And all he had to do was let the big guy make all of his money. The key is not to take money from the, from the big guy. Any asshole can say that's his solution to problems. But you guys have to realize that, you know, when a guy like the UFC, an entity, a big rich guy starts something like that, and they did. They, they basically create, created a market in the same way that Amazon did. And all entrepreneurs do. They essentially mine 
an area of the world that was underused before. And they made an idea. And there's all this money out there that was looking to be used efficiently. And all this money said, hey, I want more MMA than what I'm getting. And so everybody else said, hey, I'll take some of that money. And so the money's just kind of flowing. It is a, it's a bit of a trickle down, but again, rising tide, it, it's just, it's more like mining though. You know, if one guy finds, a, one, it takes one guy to find gold out in, uh, in the Black Hills of South Dakota. And that guy may end up making more money than anybody. But because of that one guy, a whole bunch of other people are going to make a lot of money too. Now, some people are going to get exploited and take advantage of and things like this. But guess what? There was nothing there before. Where there was nothing but literally just rocks. It's all gold mining is. It's just rocks. There was just a mountain. And now there is now there's wealth. Now there's jobs and prosperity. And you didn't have to take it from anyone. Because the guy at the top creates this. Eh. Could have done that a little better, right? Anyway, uh, Anderson Silva says he's coming back and he's going to fight in Brazil against Jared Cannonier. Okay. That's May 11th in Brazil. Promotion has yet to announce the city and venue. Previous reports of Curitiba are reportedly no longer accurate, probably because it's dangerous. The event will likely take place in Rio de Janeiro. It's going to be on ESPN. Oh, it's a pay-per-view. Oh, 237. So what the hell else is scheduled or rumored for that show? Oh, Jessica Andrade versus Rose Namajunas. Rogerio Noguera versus Ryan Span. Span. So, Jerry Cannonier and Silva. Not a bad show for Brazil. Enjoy it, you... Uh, I have no idea what an ethnic slur or insult is for Brazilians. I'm aware that people say spick is a general, I think, like Hispanic. I think it's spick Hispanic. I think that's where that comes from, but I don't really know. I don't know. Outside of that, I don't know. They're all, they all seem very generic, like wetback or beaner. You could say that about anybody. I, I need something specific. Like, I, I don't just insult white people as all just one dumb white. It's like, I insult the French for being French and the German for being German and the Italian. You know, you get my point. I need to, I need to, I need to stop my ignorance of other cultures so that I can better ridicule them. Joe Rogan, by the way, says that he's only calling pay-per-views during the ESPN era with the, but, uh, yeah. I mean, this has been the way for a while. He said that during Fight Companion, uh, he's good with 10 a year. I like 10 a year. That's what I do. One, once a month, two months off. Okay. Yeah. So, this isn't news. This is Rogan. This is Rogan being Rogan. Uh, both the Pitbull brothers signed multi-fight extension with Bellator. You're welcome. Capitalism says, thank you. Say the Pitbull brothers. I don't really know. Jack Swagger's coming back. Going to fight against TJ somebody or another. This article on MMA fighting is so poorly written. Dave Meltzer. Uh... Former WWE and Lucha Underground champion. Do you know what kind of an asshole you have to be that when you're listening to Jack Swagger's background, you references Lucha Underground? There's going to be a lot of people sitting there going, that guy looks familiar. He was in uh, WWE, the most powerful and popular pro wrestling promotion on the planet and the entities most synonymous with pro wrestling in the United States since uh, basically Tom in memoriam. No, I think I saw him on Lucha Underground. What's WWE? Buccaneers. Oh, it's going to be May 11th at, right here in Chicago. In Allstate. It was fine. Yeah. I don't care. That's all. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> UFC 236. Oh, yeah. The UFC did it. They were a little slow. I was disappointed when they didn't create an interim championship after Robert Whitaker's hernia of death occurred. But they are. UFC 236 will have Calvin Gastelum and Israel Adesanya squaring off on April 13th at a venue to be determined. MMA fighting confirmed an initial report by ESPN. I should start doing things like that. I confirmed an initial report. You know why? Because you don't have to do shit. 
I mean, I guess your theory you should try to confirm it. But if you don't, if you didn't, what does that mean? You called someone else and said, yeah, that's what's happening? I can just pretend I did that. I'm confirming reports now. So, yeah. Uh, on April 13th of 2013, so t- tweeted Kelvin Gaslam, I, he won Ultimate Fighter. And so he wants to win the world title on the same day six years later. That's kind of cool. I like it. I like it. I like things like that. Universe is speaking to you. I still don't like Calvin Gaslam. I don't really like it. It's really better win. Hey, they're doing something cool, right, though? Isn't this all we've ever asked in the UFC is to give us everything we want when we want it? In fact, we want them to know what we want before we know we want it and then give it to us. Jake Collier accepts 10-month suspension from USADA. John Jones, by the way, is going to be fighting on the next pay-per-view. Just, just throwing that out there. Just throwing that out there. you got 10 months for a general stimulant. That is per, you, per release, okay, uh, per release, Collier declared that he had used a product containing hygienamine, described as a general stimulant that is prohibited at all times. An out-of-competition urine ex- ex- sample collected on December 27th confirmed the provided information. So this dude was getting high on something. Over Christmas, it sounds like. Let's look up Higatamine. In case they do it in the article, but I want to look it up myself. Higatamine. Oh, it's a fucking supplement. The first thing that comes up is some sport in gut. Honestly, anybody that buys and consumes pills that come in a plastic bottle with fluorescent coloring on it, Deserves whatever's coming to them. Jeez Louise, you fucking idiots. Let's see what the Wikipedia says. Um, I don't know. I guess it's not allowed. It's a compound found in a variety of plants. stuff, Some fruits. Or lotus seeds. Is designed for weight management and sports supplements. Traditional formulations with hygienamine have been hygienamine yeah, have been used for thousands of years within Chinese medicine. Ah, this is a racist thing. Gotcha, you sad and you sent the bitches. I don't really know who Jay Collier is. I know the name, that's all I know. So yeah, that's uh the main news I guess I got from this week in the world of MMA. Joe St. Pierre retired and a bunch of uh, decent fights happened and a bunch of crappy fights are coming up. It's been a crappy fight. Jesse A. Smollett is in jail for faking his uh, whole entire thing. I called that one for like day one. To the point. I mean, I was so forceful saying this is a fraud that people will come up to me now and go, wow, I gotta say, you really nailed that. Um, I don't care. The story, it's... I'm actually kind of surprised how long it stayed out there. But you know what? It's got, it's got all the hallmarks. It's got all these twists. I hope he fights it. I wanted to go down fighting, become the Instagram OJ, man. Meanwhile, some dude from the U.S. Coast Guard, I think it is, has been arrested for domestic terrorism. A Yes, a U.S. Coast Guard lieutenant. From Washington Post, I guess. I am dreaming of a way to kill almost every last person on Earth. A self-proclaimed white nationalist planned a mass terrorist attack, the government said. Well, the government said. I like the U.S. Coast Guard lieutenant and self-identified white nationalist. How? how? I, first of all, I've never met anyone who's self-identified as like a white nationalist or a race, like that type of thing. Like, I know lots of people that I'm sure that people that have different people will say hey, that guy's a Nazi he's a racist things like that like that's fine like I understand like I know people are kind of sketchy or whatever I've never met anybody that told me yeah actually uh, I'm a Nazi I'm a white nationalist I never ever ever it's weird um, he's stockpiled and he's got he's got a lot of weapons here. he's got a lot of weapons but looks like a, a, a Saturday in, in Vegas if you ask me Okay, he called for focus violence to establish a white homeland and said, I am dreaming of a way to kill almost every last person on Earth. 
Although court documents did not detail a specific planned date for an attack, the government has said he had been amassing supplies and weapons since 2017 and developed a spreadsheet of targets that included Nancy Pelosi. Hey, look, nobody's saying that every time something bad happens that there's nothing good that comes of it. In search inner using phrases such as best place in D.C. to see Congress people and our Supreme Court justices protected. Uh, the defendant intends to murder innocent civilians on a scale rarely seen in this country, the government said, and blah, 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 blah. Uh, so all this stuff. Um, Please send me your violence that I may unleash it onto their heads. Guide my hate to make me a lasting impression on this world. He's obsessed with neo-fascist, neo-Nazi views. I can't, that's so weird. Like... He's been working at the U.S. Coast Guard headquarters in Washington since 2016. He also served in the Marine Corps from 88 to 93 and the Army National Guard for about two years in the mid-90s. Um, it's weird, I guess, that an active-duty Coast Guard member, I guess that's why people care. Um I guess he, okay, he, he was read a manifesto from the do the killed all those people in Norway like a decade ago or whatever. Um, I really should read these stories before. Oh, Biavik took steroids and narcotics, believing it would heighten his ability to carry out attacks. Just like that dude did in Florida. There's like an uptick in steroid-related uh, shootings. USADA is, actually should be part of Homeland Security. It's also like this is one of these guys that's just kind of nuts and on a certain level like on some somehow like people this nuts get put on a list by the government I'm guessing and they track them waiting for an excuse to arrest them because they're dangerous and that's not a good thing necessarily I'm sure the government could use that for bad purposes no doubt they could stifle legitimate dissent all that but it's also probably something that, that is somewhat routine and it's just some field officer going yeah this guy's out of his fucking mind like it's one of those, we know it's a matter of time before it happens, and we're trying to be proactive, but we're trying to not be blatant about what we're doing here. We're giving you some sort of cover. I guess what I'm saying is that I don't understand, but I don't understand anything that's going on in this world. I'm glad you're all listening, especially right now. I, I hope, I know you all have to, have to hang up soon. Hang up, hang up. You have to go, you have to go radio silent soon. That our freedoms are are few and far between that you're all listening to this probably over a CB radio at this point because well, we're in a state of emergency. Our president declared that. We are in a state of emergency. This is an upgrade from our previous state of confusion. We are in a state of emergency right now, everybody. So get to bed early. Obey your curfew. And thanks for listening to MMA and stuff here at halfguard.com. I'm Mike Hoffman. We'll see you next time. Until then, au revoir, mes amis.